Spanish name, but people think is Italian. So I might have Italian in me. I got to do one of those ancestry type of things in there. You know, maybe I have Italian be, uh, down in my background. <laughs> yeah, I like Italian food. I, really, I'm, I have a story about that, but I wouldn't share right now. But um, I'm happy to be here. I'm here with my wife, Yelena, my daughter, Daniela. Uh, my two boys, Levi and Judah, are in the class. Um, they're downstairs here. We're very happy to be here. Um, it was and it was great worship, right? Where's Stephen? Stephen, uh, you know, awesome anointing worshiping. I mean, there's people I, I've seen. Um, you know, worshipers, people who, you know, they don't lead like, you know, it's great to have like a band, like, you know, drummers, singers, and, and bass, and all that stuff, you know, but there's people that just have like anointing, you could just play on a piano or on a guitar, and it's just like the anointing of worship, and just flows, and it's beautiful, that was awesome worship, man. Um, so, wow, I have a word here I want to share with you, um, this is my first time being here, I, we live here in West Hampton, uh, about 10 minutes away, we always pass by, <laughs> we always pass by High Street over here, you know, it's funny, in the summer times, we always go to Rita's here at Water, I to take my kids, <laughs> so we're always passing by here, and um, it's a little bit about us, you know, uh, I've been serving the Lord, I'm, I'm 43, I've been serving the Lord, you know, uh, really seriously since I was about like 20, 21, I knew the Lord all my life, but when I really decided to give my life to Christ, I would say I was in my early 20s, um, and uh, I, we started, me and my wife, I met my wife here in uh, New Jersey, and we started serving the Lord here, and Jesus is Lord, uh, you'll probably, you might have seen on Route 130, that church right there across the street at McDonald's, we were there for, for 15 years serving the Lord in many areas. It was like the progression, you know, youth pastor, you know, we were youth pastors, we served there for you know, several years, many years, and that's how we got connected with EG, um, and then from there, youth pastors, we became associate pastors and pastors of, uh, we were just doing everything, you know, Every, everything, you know, when I encounter God, you know, one of the things in my life, before I get into the message, I just want to share just a little back where I'm at, who I am, my testimony, you know, I've always, I don't have a testimony like other people have where, you know, I was saved by drugs, alcohol, I was, you know, in a gang or this, and some, you know, awesome testimonies, right, and the power of God, how God transforms lives and takes people out of the pits of darkness, right, you know, and the great testimonies that God has continued to do and do and has done throughout the ages, I don't have that testimony, of, you know what I mean, when I compare my testimony to others, it's like, I feel like my testimony is like boring, you know what I mean, I grew up, you know, in a household that served the Lord, was not really connected, but served the Lord. And, you know, I knew the Lord all my life, but, you know, there's one thing to not knowing God and doing the things of the world. Of course, people are going to do things, right? They're going to go out. They're going to, you know, hang out, drink drugs, all, all that stuff that the world does, that party, having, you know, that's the world that does that. They don't know God. That's understandable. They're going to do that. You know, my life was a little bit different. I knew God, but I was, as I was said, I was one foot in the church and one foot in the world, okay? I think, this is my belief, I personally, that's worse than one person being two feet in the world and not even one foot in the Lord. Because when you know God, you hear the word, but then when you go back home, you do your old thing. I think that's even more, you know, difficult before the Lord. And by his grace and mercy, the Lord was faithful and patient with me in my life. He worked with me. He had, he had purpose in my life, and he had grace over my life, where when I look back and what he has taken me out of, I don't deserve nothing that he has done in my life. What he has given me, 
what he has blessed me. I don't deserve nothing, you know? And the Lord, you know, saved me in that aspect. And then, like I said, in my early 20s, that's when I said I really, when I encountered the Holy Spirit, his power, the Holy Spirit is real, beloved. He is powerful. When I encountered his fire one day in my life, but there was an emotion. I did all the emotion stuff. I did the falling. I did the shaking because everybody else did it. So let me do it. Maybe I encountered the Holy Spirit like that, but I know it was just my flesh. Anybody understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you did all that. But that day when I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, when he burned all the iniquity in my life, when he came to me and he broke my heart, my heart was broken before him. There's nothing greater in your life to be broken before the presence of God. And he broke me that day. That day changed my life. I remember it that day, that hour where I was at because he had that day planned for me. And he changed my life and then he filled me with his fire. It was real. It was not fake. It was not something that I was trying to, 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 to mimic others. It was not something that I tried to, you know, in my heart, I knew I was manip you know, doing something that's just not real. It was his fire that changed my life. A man that was scared, broken before people to speak in front of people. A man that would, that would shake and sweat in his hands to speak in front of people. A man that would stutter in front of people, in front of my class, when I had to give speeches and stuff like in school, because I didn't like speaking in front of people. The Holy Spirit baptized me, filled me with his fire, and he said, you are going to be my servant, my teacher. You're going to preach my word. <laughs> Beloved, I'm giving you a little testimony right now. I could not speak in front of people. I was scared. I was sweating. I, I would do all this stuff I did not want to. There is no way that this guy will be able to stand in front of people, stand in front, I, I don't know, I don't think I know none of you at all. There was no way before God I can do this. Are you crazy? It was horror show to do this in front of my classmates, you know, presentations, talk in front of people, and to give a word from the creator of heaven and earth. That he tells me, I want you to give a word. I want you to speak about me. I want you to somehow talk about my word to try to give a message on your heart to people that I, to my people. Are you crazy? Think about it. The God, the Yahweh, the one who created through his words, telling me to try to explain his word to you. No way. No way. No, you think about it, right? And God transformed my life. And my, my daughter always asks me, she always asks me today, are you scared? I said, no, I'm not scared today. Because <laughs> I trust the Holy Spirit. I trust the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the things. So, I mean, just that's a little about my testimony. And the Lord is, is doing things in these days. And I want to talk about his personality. The personality of God. The personality of God. You see, in, 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 in our ministry, me and my wife, we've been uh, serving in the past. We've been uh, attending uh, EG uh, Eastern Gate. Uh, recently, I've been in, uh, serving part-time on, on staff there. And we've been there for the past uh, four or five years in Eastern Gate. You know, serving the Lord, contending 
you know, in prayer and, and seeking God, believing that what God's going to do, he is, he's doing, he's pre preparing this whole plan out. We know where this is going. You know, we're seeking God, and, and, and we, we know the storyline, the storybook of what's going to happen. You see in the world today, you know, we've been going through this COVID, this pandemic, this shaking of the world. This shaking. This is a shaking that has been occurring. Many think, the thing with the world is people want to go back to the normality again. They want to go back to the normal. They want to, we just got to get past this and let's get vaccinated. Let's, do all, let's get past all this, and then we could get back to normality and how things were. Beloved, things are never going to get back to normality. Because when you know this word, you, you know this Bible, you know that things are going to get heavier and things are going to, the things are going to be shaken more and more. Okay? Things are going to be shaken. When the world says, let's do all this to get back to no normality, the man and woman of God that knows the word of God says, you need to, you know, anchor your life on Christ more and more because it's going to get darker. It's going to get harder and stronger. The Bible says in the Isaiah 26, verse 9, that the judgments of the Lord, and I personally believe the judgments of the Lord has been moving in these past couple years. The judgments of the Lord makes men learn and seek righteousness. The judgments, the shakings of the world, these things that are, are global shakings that have occurred in this world makes men and women want to seek God. How many of you, you in this place have come to the Lord when everything was great in your life? You got health, you got finances, you got everything good in your family, everything is great. How many of you and I will come into the house of the Lord on a Sunday when everything is great in your life before you knew the Lord? Nobody. Practically nobody. Because when everything is great, the last thing a person does is seek God. When everything is great, you go to the doctor, the, everything is great, you know, your labs are awesome, you got money, you got health, you got, uh, you know, your, your family's great. The last thing man does is seek God. I'm keeping it real, right? The last thing, going to church, give your life to, you know, everything's great, I got, no. But all of us come to God, we're seeking, we're lacking, we're broken, Something has happened. You are here. Something occurred in your life that you needed. You may have certain things, material things, but you were empty inside. You were going through things. All of us come with a level of brokenness. And that's where God starts working. He chooses, and, and what I'm saying, the personality of God. If we go with me to first book, first of Corinthians chapter 1. The personality of God. There's many different types or aspects of God I can talk about. He is your father. He is your provider. But one thing about the personality of God I want to speak about is he delights to choose the weak things. He chooses the weak ones. In weakness, God delights in your weakness. In your brokenness. The days that we are going to, as I said, as God starts moving more and more across the earth, we understand that the dark is going to get darker, but the light will grow lighter. 
as the Lord moves in an outpouring of his spirit at the same time, darkness will increase across the earth. When you have an understanding of the Bible and your theology is according to what the Word says, you understand these two things go hand in hand. Many of us, we just focus on the light and the power of God and revival and the outpouring. Yes, beloved, that will occur. God has already prophesied that will occur in these last days, in these days that we are coming to. Okay? But at the same time, we cannot negate that the dark will get darker. That it will get heavier. It will get more challenging. The enemy will arise. He will do what he is going to do. So we have to anchor ourselves in God and let him control in our lives. And one of the things that he delights in us, for us to be able to stand in the days ahead, for we, we don't get taken away by the storms, by the fear, by the worrying. You know why people today are, 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 are crazy, for example, about what's happened across the earth? Is they don't want to die. It's fear. You don't want to die. That's, the per That's why people are so scared in today because they don't want to die. Beloved, let me tell you something. The goal of life is not to live forever. The goal of life is to be faithful unto him. That is the goal. The, your goal and my goal is, you know, I got to do everything. And I do stuff. I do stuff. I try to take care of myself, do all that stuff, you know, you can, you can do. But the goal of life is not to live forever. You're going to die. You have an appointed time. The goal of life is not to live forever. The goal of life is to be faithful to him. To be faithful to him. That's what I, I want to be faithful to him. When we are faithful to him, when we seek him, we come to him in our weakness. God deals and he draws near to a heart that is broken, that is weak before him. He is not impressed by our strength. He is not impressed by our title or what we have done or what we do. He is not impressed of how we can speak, of how, how, how much charisma we have, how much strength, how much knowledge you have. He is not content or he's not impressed by, you know, your finances, your, you know, your influence. He draws near to your brokenness. As the judgments are released across the earth, men and women will be broken and come before the Lord. They will be broken, come before the Lord. God delights in your brokenness. It says here in first chapter, uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, go with me quickly. In our ministry, me and my wife, we, are, we have a ministry called Promise Fire House of Prayer. We do an online ministry. We give teachings. And we've been teaching. We have a, a teachings, a series on the end times, on the book of, uh, of Daniel. We give teachings. And, 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 and right now we're talking on the life of David. We believe, and, and the reason we're giving ministries on the life of David, because the life of David is so powerful, so impactful to know the principles that you can take out from this man that God chose that you can input in your life to be faithful and steady in these last days. David was not a perfect man, but he had principles. He lived a life that he was, he loved God and he knew that God loved him. Very, this is very simple. 
This is not very theological when you, see, we talk about I love God. How many of you guys love God? Amen? Amen. And that's good and that's easy to say. And I don't, I would not, you know, judge how much you, you, you I know you love God. But the, the other way, this is, what, this is what really transformed your life. It's not that just you love God. That's great. You're here. But what transforms your life is this, that you are loved by God. I love God, and God works in my life. He encounters me, touches me. I love God. But what transforms your life is that you are loved by him. When you get the revelation, the encounter, that experience that you are loved by God, when a pandemic is released across the earth, you are not fear. You don't fall into fear. You don't are scared of death. What was the change with the apostles? I always say this. What was the change that happened to the apostles? When the Spirit of God filled their lives, they were not scared of death anymore. When they were filled by the Holy Spirit, before they said, Jesus, I'm with you, but you're about to go to the cross. I'm gonna, we're, we're, we're leaving. We're gone. They abandoned him. Why? Because they were scared of death. These men who walked with Jesus, talked to him, sat with him, saw the miracles. They saw him transformed on the mountain. Beloved, if I see somebody get transformed, I see being transformed on the mountain, I, mean, I would think I would not be scared of nothing. Come on now. Let's, let, let's keep it real. I see his glory. And, then I, and you think, I'm going to be scared of anything in this world when I see a man transformed by his glory. Peter saw him. And at the end, they deserted him. But what transformed their life is when they were filled by the Holy Spirit, they were not scared of death anymore. They said, we're going to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. They were willing to die for him, and it was a joy. God chooses the weak ones. In verse 27, but God says this, but God chose the foolish things of, this, of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things. You and I, beloved, we are weak, we are broken. Live there all your life. Live there in weakness and brokenness. Strength, stay away from that. Live in weakness all the days of your life. I'm going to show you why. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things, the things that people don't pay attention to, the things that are rejected, the things that nobody is not even for. God chose those things of this world and the despised things, those things that you were rejected. You might have been rejected in your family. You might have been rejected in your household, in your neighborhood, whatever it is. People don't take account of People don't know your names. There are going to be millions and millions of people that God will use, and they will never be known by nobody. They will never have the ministry. They will never have the, 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 the influence. They will never have the influence. But God will honor him, and God will use him, and God will honor him be above, uh, in front of everybody on that day. God chose to, uh, the lowly things of this world and the despised things. 
and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. God chooses our weakness, our brokenness. If you feel like you can't do it, you are a candidate that God's going to use. If you feel that you don't have it, you don't have the talent, you can't be used by God, God's eyes are on you. He will bless you. He will use you. If you've been a, living a life of rejection, of re, a life of despise, a life that people are taking account of you, that you don't have the talent, you don't have the strength, you can't do this or that, God's eyes are on you. No greater example then this is the life of David. In the book, of, in, in the first book, in first of Samuel, chapter fifteen, God chose Saul. Saul was the king of Israel, but did not do what God told him to do. At the end, God rejected Saul. You know why? Because Saul was not a man repented of the heart. He was arrogant. He was boastful. He did not repent. And we see in the rejection of Saul in chapter 15 that Saul is rejected. And God says, I am going to choose a man for me. The anointing of David in chapter 16. And we go to first book of Samuel chapter 16. What I want to bring here this morning is God wants to choose each and every one of you. I guarantee you, each and every one of you here has questioned God at least one time. Can God use me? You are here to lay beloved, not because of a coincidence. God is working and talking to your heart. And the question that you have asked, I have asked many times in my life, can God use me? Who am I? There are millions of others out in this world today. Why would he choose me? There are many others out there that have gifts that are strong, that are influential. Why would he choose me? And we reject and we condemn ourselves. And we go into the I can't. I don't have a purpose. I can't this and that. And when, when I say this and when the challenges and the shakings come on the earth, we can easily be swept in those challenges, in those judgments, in those shakings, when we don't have our identity in God. David was a man just like you and I, a man that was broken, that was weak, but he knew the heart of God. And we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and that's where we're going to stay at right here. God rejects Saul because Saul, he was not repentant. He chose, he chose David because he knew David was going to mess up. And I'll tell you, beloved, he messed up big time. We know his stories. I mean, we condemn ourselves. We're like, <laughs> Lord, I'm going to lie this and that, you know, and, and our sins and the things that we do. But David really, you know, if you killed somebody here and you done stuff, I mean, you know, that, those are major sins. Come on now. And he knew that was going to happen. That's the crazy thing about God. <laughs> God's crazy sometimes. Am I, right? I'm like, oh, God, well, how, you know. He knew that was going to happen. He said, I'm going to choose this man still. He saw his heart. He rejects King Saul. 
he tells Samuel, the prophet Samuel, this man was renowned. That when a prophet came to that town, woo, Samuel, you get everybody's all, you know, even the Bible says when he in, in chapter 16, when he was coming to Bethlehem, the, the elders were like, Did you come here to because we're messed up, or you come to rebuke us or this? And they were scared. Samuel had the anointing, the prophet, the man of God. When we think about prophet, we think about, oh, God, he's going to say something, you know, well, I'm doing something wrong. No, God is to lift you up, to encourage you. God's never going to try to push you down. He's going to lift you up and encourage you. As we read the story, the elders, God says, I'm going to choose a man. I have a man, and it's in Bethlehem. This man is in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a place that was nothing good that came out of Bethlehem. There was nothing there. There was nothing. God always chooses things when there's no, when people will look at it, people say, how can you choose that? How can you use her? How can you use him? He was in drugs. He was in this. He was in that. How can you use that person? God says, I do things differently. Bethlehem was a place where nothing good came out of Bethlehem, and the Messiah at the end came out of Bethlehem. We serve a God that is powerful, man. We serve a God that does not look at things how we look. So we see here, Samuel is going to, he says, I want you to go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Yes, I want you to go to Bethlehem because I got somebody for me. Saul's work has ended, but the work of God was would, would continue. Chapter 16 of the first book of Samuel is not about David. It's about the personality of God. It's about how God looks at you and I. Of how God chooses you and I. God does not look on the outside. He looks on the inside of the heart. You are seated here. and You could say, I can never give a message. God says, you are my, you are my preacher, but you don't even know it yet. I can never stand and minister and this, and, and this and that because that's who we are, right? We always say, I can never do that, right? <laughs> when you get to a point where you say, I can do that, then you got some problems. You know, I don't want to, you know, you get to that point where like, I can do that, I can do that. Uh-uh, you know, you, know, you got to watch out. But many a times of us, we're like, I can never do that. I can never, I can never, who am I? You know, this and that. That's us a lot of times, right? And he says, so this chapter, chapter 16, is about how God looks at man. God's rejection of Saul in the choice of David was decisive, clear, and final. Yet it took 15 years for that decision to unfold. A lot of times God's purposes and past in your life. He has a purpose in your life. He wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to use you for a specific purpose, but you don't see it. You don't see it. God, you are given a prophetic word. You have been given a word. You're going to do this. I feel the Lord's going to do this. And you receive it, and then you don't see nothing. I don't know, I don't know how many of you guys have. I, that has happened in my life. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. You don't see nothing. It's like dead. Year after year after year pass by, you don't see nothing. And that word, that prophetic word or that, or, or, you know, that you receive in your life, you don't see nothing. Many times, God is working behind the scenes to prepare your life. So we see here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 
And I'm speaking to you guys this morning. If you feel weak and broken, if you feel inept at times, you are the one I'm speaking to. If you feel sometimes you don't have that calling, that purpose, that destiny, you question I'm speaking to you. If you feel tired this morning, if you've been struggling going forward and sometimes you go in that fight but you don't feel strength, I'm speaking to you this morning. The Lord told Samuel, go to Bethlehem and anoint a new king. Chapter 16. What an honor it could have been for Samuel to anoint. I believe that was probably the greatest honor for Samuel to anoint the king for God. The prophet Samuel. Verse 1, it says, and the Lord said, Samuel. Listen to how God spoke to Samuel. I want you to capture this. Stay with me. How long Samuel worked with Saul for years, for decades. He was the prophet and he was mourning before Saul, about Saul. He was mourning, he was there. And he saw how Saul ended. And listen to how the Lord rebukes the prophet of God. His prophet. He rebukes him pretty much. He says, how long will you mourn for Saul? Verse 1, seeing I have rejected him for reigning over Israel. He's saying, stop, you're enough already. I rejected him. Fill your horn with oil and go, and I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For listen to how God speaks about David. Beloved, he is speaking to you today. I read this word and I say, I don't read it like, oh, that's great how God spoke about David. I read this word and say, you're speaking this over my life. Amen. Because it's, it's, he's all oh God, but that's David, it's not me, you know, I'm not no king, this and that, that's for, no, beloved, God has this word not just to give you a story, he's speaking it to you. When you read the word of God, oh, well, that's great, he is speaking, to, this is how he thinks about you. Oh, that's King David, who am I, I'm a nobody, see, that's the mentality that the enemy, and we try to say about ourselves. But God is showing you his heart right now, what he thinks about us. He says, fill your horn with oil and go. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. Wow. I provided myself. Come on. And he says, Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. There's the fear there. How can I go? If, he do, if, I, if, if I do this, he might kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Invite Jesse to sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You, listen to this, shall anoint for me the one I name to you. God has called you. He's saying, he's saying you shall anoint me because he is mine. God is saying to you this morning, you are mine. I have chosen you. I have chosen by my, the power of my spirit that rests upon you. Beloved, you don't need nobody dropping oil all over. You got the Holy Spirit of God that anoints you, that comes upon you, that baptizes you like he baptized me. I don't need nobody to pour oil all over me. The fire of the Holy Spirit already baptized me. He anointed me. Beloved, how about you? He can do it to you. A wretch like me, he can do it to you as well. God's zeal for David was in display. 
The Lord raised up David as a king for his pleasure and his purpose. Beloved, God takes pleasure in you. When he sees you, however weak and broken, whatever things you say you may have or not, he takes pleasure in you. He repeatedly used, repeated used his language denoting what the zeal that he sought for himself. He said, Samuel, stop mourning. I found my king. I have found my king after my own heart. He says, this man will be after my own heart. A man that is you and I, a man that is broken, that is weak. Now, you would think that this type of man, he says, you shall anoint this man for me. I have provided myself a king. So you would think this man will be a high man of stature, a man of influence, right? That's who we are. Right? That's why social media and all that stuff is so big in this because we're all, we're all about how this person looks, what this person has, all this stuff. Because our eyes are the ones that tell us who is the one that is high in stature. Who is the one that is influential? Who is the one that, you know, that, that has it all? We see it through our eyes and we do it all the time. The world does it. The world moves in our culture of seeing of these people. This person has influence, and God is totally reversed. God, that's why the world has a problem with understanding who this God is. Because the world says, look on the outside. And God says, I'm not interested on the outside. I'm interested in the inside. Samuel fell into that trap. You and I, we fall into that trap. The prophet of God, who was 100% right in his prophecies of the word, he even fell into that trap. He said, you shall go and anoint for me a king. David already had knew that he was chosen first by God. And he responded in that way of worshiping the Lord, of loving God, of obeying him, of seeing his beauty. That's when you'll see the Psalms that he will write. That he said, I will inquire in temple all the days of my life. He knew that God loved him. David loved God, but he knew that God loved him. So he says to Samuel, go to Bethlehem. As I said, if Bethlehem was in a significant village at that time. Nothing came good out of Bethlehem. There was nothing good. So the Lord says to Samuel, go to Bethlehem. Go to this man Jesse's house. You're going to see sons there, and I will tell you who is the one that's going to be king. So we see here in verse 6. I want you to see this real quickly. So he came there. The Bible says, verse 6, surely, he says, the Lord's anointed is here. Think about it. The prophet of God about to anoint the king of Israel the king for God. And he says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look, verse 7, and this is what he's telling to you and I, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. Do not look, he's God saying, at what you have or who you are or what people think. But don't look at that. Don't look at your strength. Don't look at what you can do, your influence. Don't look at all that. I'm not interested in that. He says, verse Samuel, verse 7, excuse me, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. 
He sees the, the sons of Samuel. Uh, he sees, Samuel sees the sons of Jesse. And he looked at Eliab, the Bible says. Eliab was strong, tall, physical, strong. That's the guy. He's strong. He looks good. That is the one. That's us. He is the anointed. And God says to Sam, don't look at his physical stature. I don't look at that, verse 7, right? He says, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks outward in appearance. Man looks outward. The world looks at the things on the outside. You can't do it. You don't have purpose. You can't. You don't, you don't have all, you don't have the, the, the things that you're, or, or whatever. You can't do it. God says, I don't look at what you have or don't have. I look at your heart. I look at that broken heart that I, God, I've been, I've gone through so much brokenness in my life. And God says, good, I, I, and I've been there the whole time in that journey. God, I've been through so much things in my life, so much hurt, so much brokenness, so much things that happened. In my life. And God saying, I've been with you the whole time and you don't even know it. He says, don't look on the outside, but, you know, at the man's appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse 8, then another son comes, and Samuel says, that is the one. Look at Samuel. Samuel, the prophet of God. I'm here trying to preach you a message. And my prayer is the Holy Spirit, give me, your, give me a word for your people. This is Samuel, the prophet that hears God. And he is falling into the same trap. He is looking at Je the sons of Jesse and saying, that's the one. That's the one. Why? Because he's looking on the outside. He looks at the next son, verse 9. And then Jesse made Shema pass. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this. And then all the sons of Jesse passed. You would think Samuel, who hears from God, he would already said, oh, that's the one. Because God told him. God didn't show. God was teaching Samuel. God is teaching us today. Don't look on the outside. I'm interested in what's inside of you. I'm interested in what, you know, your heart. Then he says, listen to, listen to verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all these young men here? Look at the insignificant, try to say that, that David was even in his own family. He was rejected. This guy was thrown outside. The prophet of God is like the president, and I don't want to compare this, but even like, it's like a, a really, a, a president, like the president coming to your house, you know, or something like, somebody with stature. And you invite everybody to come and, and, and you know, say, at least say hi to him or whatever. And then you just forget this other son or, you know, he's just thrown out. You don't even, nobody's not even thinking about him. Because he's insignificant. He's, he doesn't have, you know, that's how they, they treated David. And he said, oh, are these, all the young men here, Samuel said? And he said, no, there's one out there. He's tending the sheep. He's over there. Insignificant. David was rejected by his own family. One thing we all have in common here is we've all been rejected in some way, in some form, some other. No one can say, I've never been rejected. Everybody loves me. I'm always accepted. Everybody, you know, wherever I go, work, house, you know, family, everybody loves me. I you know we've all been rejected in one form or another. We know how it is to be despised. We know how it is to not be accounted for. We know how it is that people, you know, you know will, will treat us in that way. He was doing menial work and tending the sheep. 
doing the most, listen to this, he was doing work outside in a sheep, doing all that work that was insignificant in the greatest moment of the lives of the family. The prophet was in the house, their house doing that. God said to Samuel, the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward of the appearance. God looks at the decision and the intentions of your heart. If you've questioned your life, you've questioned your purpose in the Lord, you feel tired and broken, you, whatever it is in your, in, your, in your life right now, God wants to strengthen you in this hour, in this moment, in this time right now. You've questioned your life, your purpose in life. What is your assignment in God? Well, you know, I love the Lord. I come to his church. You know, I serve you and this and that. But, you know, you know, but you question, you know, why am I here? What do you want me to do? I see how you used others. I want to just, see, I don't, I, I, in my life, I've always, I, I got to a point in my life, I just didn't want to come to a church. We can all do that. We can all, you know, anybody do this, you know. I want to serve you, God. That has always been the life of me and my wife's uh, life. So we want to serve you. I can do the come to a house type of thing. You know, that's great. That's a step. But I want to serve your purpose. And guys, if you want to serve me, serve my people. You love me, love my people. God does not see the outside, but he sees the inside. He looks at the heart. Many times, we measure, people measure themselves and others by the external things. The gifting, the achievement, the, 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 the how they speak, the strength, everything on the outside. The money, the position, the achievements. We do that even in the church. We do it, you know, in our, spirit, in our, our circles of what they have, of how many years they've been in a church, or, you know, their title and this and that. And all those things doesn't move the heart of God. You, me, me serving the Lord, uh, you, you know, like I said, you know, 2000, two, two, I would say 2005, four, really, serving the God, Lord. So 15 years, 16, that don't move God. Oh, I can say, I've been serving the Lord 15, 16 years, 20 years. And that don't move God. What moves God is my heart, my intentions. I can serve God with the wrong intentions. I can stand here with the wrong intentions. God looks at the heart. What it moves the heart, what moves the heart of God is your brokenness and your weakness before him. Not your strength, how strong you are. How good of a Christian you are. How good of, you know, you do all the right things and, and you go to church and you do all this and you treat people. God looks at a person that is broken, that is weak. You say, you come before God, say, I am broken, I am weak, and I need you. I need you. I need you in my life, in my heart. The Bible says he draws near to a man that is strong and that is, you know, no, he don't draw near to it. He draws near to a broken and a contrite heart. There is something about brokenness and weakness that God draws near to. That's why I say stay in, the, in, in that place of weakness and brokenness. You know why you stay in that place of weakness and brokenness? That's when God becomes God in your life. When you become totally dependent on him. What is the problem that people don't want to give their life to Christ? What is the problem that people don't want to serve God because they don't want to get away? They don't want the God of themselves to be taken away. Why, why is it so hard for people to give their life to the Lord? 
because they don't want the God of themselves to be taken away. Because when you give your life to Christ, you are saying, I can't do it. I need you in my life. I need you. And there's when the weakness and the brokenness, that's when it comes to the, the vulnerability that comes out. Be vulnerable before the Lord. I need you. The greatest, what David, see, and that was the difference between David. When he messed up, he repented and he seeked God. His heart was a repentive heart. Come on, repentive. What moves the heart? See, God knows you're going to mess up. God knows you're going to fail him. God knows that I'm going to fail him. God knows that today you are here today. You are listening to a word that I pray to God you're receiving something. And then next week you're going to fail him. God knows that tomorrow you're going to fail him. God knows that when you get home today, you're going to fail him. So if that was the case and we lived like that, we would just forget about it. But, you know, God knows that you're going to fail him, but God wants to see how you respond. It is not the failure that he looks at. He looks at the response. David failed God, but he knew that David will respond to him. That's why he looks at the heart. I'm wrapping up. David saw himself as God's. What was the difference in this procession of God anointing David? I said people measure themselves by the outside of the external stuff. We do that many times. That's why many of us say there's no way God can use me. I'm educated. I don't know the Bible like that. Or, you know, I've been serving the Lord a couple years or this, whatever. This and that. There's, no, there's no way. There's no way God can use me. You know, there's no fire in me. I'm dead. You know, you know what, beloved, if you're dead inside, that's great because God can lift you and burn and, and turn you and, and, and put fire in your life. If you come before God and you say, God, I am dead. There's nothing going on here. I'm just like bored. I am just like there's a boredom inside of me before you. You know, open your heart because God says, oh, yeah, there's boredom. I know that. That's why I'm going to, you know, revive your heart right now. When you come before the Lord, open broken and weak but when we, we, we try to like put the facade on and, and and put the you know the well you know i'm all right you know you knew you ain't all right oh i'm okay no you're not you're not okay because we we, we want to put the facade on because the people might see because the people what the what the other people might say oh because i am this i'm that and you put the facade on and you're dying in your in, 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 that, in, in that way of life, you're dying. And God's saying, be open. David saw himself. Like I said, people look, God looks at the heart. But David saw himself different because he was anointed. He was God's chosen one. David saw himself as God's beloved. Remember what I said in the beginning. You love God. The greatest thing that can happen to you is when you understand that God loves you. God loves you. No matter what you go through, God loves you. God is with you. I'm going through this. I'm going through I'm going through God loves you. God loves me. He will see me through it. He will see me through this challenge. David saw himself as God's beloved, as God's, the apple of God's eye. God, David saw himself before God that God delighted in him. Man, God delights in you, beloved. When you can 
just grasp 10% of that and let that 10% start manifesting in your life. That God delights in you. Oh, Pastor, you know, I've been through a lot. I've done this and it don't matter. God delights in you. God, no, but I've been, you know, you don't know. I say, you don't know. I, we, if, if you tell me this, I could tell you the same thing. We could just sit together and just be, have a whole misery party there. And we could just talk about how miserable and how bad we are. We could do all that. Amen. But God's saying, I delight in you. I delight in you. He, David understood this, and he says, he told Samuel, God told Samuel, the prophet, don't look on the outside and the appearance. David understood that, 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 that feature of God, the personality of God. David found his primary identity in who he was in his relationship with God. Your identity is found in your relationship with God. You know that God is alive. You know that God is real. It is stupid that the world will say there's no God. It is stupid. That's one of the stupidest things somebody said. Imagine, think about this. In a, a man created within an immunity that can fight off diseases. Think about that. Who would create something, a man, a person like you and I, that we have immunity that when we get sick, we develop these immune, uh, whatever it is, and it fights off sicknesses. It is stupidity to not think there's not a God. Just by creation, creation alone says that there is a God. David found his primary identity in who he was in his relationship with God. He measured his success in life by how much he grew. Listen to this as I close. He measured his success in life by how much he grew in grace to the degree which he walked in obedient to the love of God and meekness towards people. David grew in the grace of God by how much he loved God and he knew how much he loved and how much God loved him. Even when he failed him, David knew that God loved him. I don't know none of you, but I know one thing. We're all the same. We've all failed the Lord. We failed him. This week I have failed him. I wish I could go through a day and say, I'm perfect. I've done everything right from morning to, to night. I, I did everything right before you, Lord. It's impossible. We are weak and broken people. The challenges that are coming to the earth are strong. The shakings that are coming to the earth. No, we're going to get past this and we're going to go back to normal. Beloved, come on, stop. The shakings that are coming to the earth are going to be difficult. But what is your anchor in your life? Is it what you have or what you don't have? Your strength, your knowledge, your history, whatever. Or is it him? Come before the Lord in your weakness. If you in your life right now, there's no fire inside. 
You're bored. There's a spiritual boredom. I like how Mike because a, sp- a spiritual boredom inside where you're just bored. It's like you come to church, it's like you're falling asleep, you're, or you're worrying about what's happening in the afternoon, or you're worried about what you, see, you're, say, you're saying to yourself, shut up, dude, because I'm trying to, I'll, I'll hurry up and finish, because it's almost 12 o'clock, and normally we finish, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know how we finish, but, you know, the service is almost over. You know, when you have a spiritual boredom, and that's where, that's where spiritual boredom is when you're just like bored, you're dead inside. I know how that is. I know how it is. I say all this stuff because I've done it. <laughs> I lived it. I walked. I know. Hurry up. You know, um, there's nothing happening. You know, you're dead inside. Two things you can do. Either continue to be dead. Continue to live in the facade that nothing is wrong with you. Continue to go in the same trajectory. And when the shakings occur, it will shake you off the anchor that is Jesus or or number two you can do this come before the Lord repent open your heart say God I need fire inside of me I don't want to just sit in a pew I want to serve you I want to love you I want to do something for your kingdom There's too much work to be done. There are too many souls to be saved. There are too many, many people outside that need the gospel. There are too many people that need to hear hope. There are too many people that need to hear the word of God. There are too many people that need to hear my testimony. There are too many that need hope. And you have chosen me to be the hope. Not because of me, but because what you have done to me, through me. What you have done in my life, too many people need to hear that. People need to hear that. Not to boast about me, to boast about you. I need to be revived tonight. I want you to stand tonight, today. David was anointed king, we know that. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, verse 13. And it rested upon him. What happened to Saul was he was rejected. And the Bible says the Spirit of God left Saul. You know one of the worst things that could happen to your life? Probably the, the worst, of course. The worst thing that could happen to your life when the Holy Spirit is taken away from you. <laughs> I love the Holy Spirit. He is the one that does. He's the one. He is my strength. He is my everything. Holy Spirit of God. He filled this vessel that was not worth to be filled. The worst thing that could happen to your life and my life was when the Spirit of God is taken away. That was the worst moment in Saul's life. And you know what happened to him at the end. The Bible says the Spirit of God rested on David. His spirit, his breath, his wind. The Hebrew word of his spirit is his ruach, his wind. Comes upon you to anoint you to do the work of the Father. He is here today. And I, and I close with this verse and it says, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Listen to the word of God. And if you need the Lord to strengthen you in this hour, in this time. Close your eyes for a moment. I want you to examine your heart and your life. 
If you are okay to continue with the same trajectory in your life, you have total liberty to continue to do it. But if you're saying, Lord, I need you in my heart. I need, I need to be revived. I need a change in my heart. I need you to work in that area. I need you, God. I, I, I feel tired. I feel weak. I feel broken. You are the person that the Holy Spirit is talking to this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power has made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I will declare to my God, I am weak and broken, because when I declare God, I am weak and broken, that's when he will work in my life and he will strengthen me. Weakness depend, it doesn't depend on oneself, but it relies on the Spirit of God. If you are here this morning and you need the Lord to strengthen your life today, I don't know where you're at with the Lord. You've been with God for many years. You've been a new believer, whatever. Well, I don't know. But you need the Lord to revive your heart this morning. Touch you. You're not content just to sit in a pew. You want to do something for the Lord. You want to serve Him. You know you have a purpose and destiny. Don't live your life just sitting in a pew, beloved. I, I, want, to, I want to encourage you. I feel, I feel there's, in this place here, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of gifts in here. And the Lord wants those gifts to come out. There are a lot of uh, callings in here. The Lord wants those callings to come out. There's, 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 there's things to be done. And here, but it's been dormant. That there's been gifts here that have been dormant. They've been sleeping. The Lord wants to come out, beloved. Don't live your life sitting in a chair. If that is you this morning, I want you to come up here. We're gonna ask the Lord to just to, to give strength in you this morning, in this hour. If that is you this morning. We want to pray for you. If you feel weak and broken this morning, leave that chair. Leave that. That pew ain't going to help you. It ain't going to help you. I want you to come up this morning. Do what I did. Leave that pew. That chair is dead. It's worthless. It's not going to help you out. Come up to the front. If you need God in your life, if you need God to revive your heart, if you want to open your life to the Lord this morning and say, doesn't matter if you've known God or known God. That, that, that don't mean that's worthless before the Lord. It's about your heart. The greatest moves of God that I have seen in my life is that men and women who have been with God have repented before the Lord. Have repented before the Lord, say, I need you. I need you. The phrase, I need you, is not for the person that does not know God. The phrase, I need you, is for everyone. Come, beloved. If you need prayer this morning, if you need the Lord to revive your heart, to strengthen you, you've been a, there's been a desire to do more for the Lord. There's been the desire for you. You, you know you have a, a calling in your life, but you're not walking. You're not doing your assignment that God has called you in this place, in your life. It needs to come out this morning. You're not coming here for a man to pray for you. You're coming for the Holy Spirit to revive your heart. I don't have nothing for you. I can't do nothing. 
The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus, let the Lord touch your heart. The Holy Spirit is here. He is the great fire starter. He is the great reviver. He chose you. The Lord wants you to receive that revelation today, this morning, that He loves you. Too many times we give to God. God says, I want to give to you. I love you. I love you, God says. I'm going to ask Stephen if you go singing in worship. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for those that are here. I'm going to keep my distance. I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to respect that. But I want to pray for you, for the Holy Spirit. And if that's you in the back, if you have, I know, you know, if that's you, that you want prayer, if you want God to just touch your heart and your life, you come before the Lord open, broken. Don't, don't be ashamed before men. The Bible says, if you are ashamed before men, Jesus says, on that day, I will be ashamed before you, before my Father. The dumbest thing that you and I can do in the church is like, oh, if somebody sees me walking up, that is the dumbest thing that we can do. That is a lie from the enemy. If, that, if you need prayer, just come up. We want to pray for you. I'm going to ask my wife, babe, you can help me pray for the ladies. We want to just lay our hands and just for the Holy Spirit to revive your heart and just fill you with His power. To fill you with His power. To fill you with His fire. Holy Spirit, fill them with your fire. We want to know you. We want to know you, God. 